Let's pray and ask for God's help for all of us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your word reveals who you are, what you've done for us in your son, how you want us to live in response. Please, by your spirit, enable me to speak words that are true and helpful. Lord, I pray, we pray that by your spirit that you might transform our minds, our hearts, our souls, so that we would love you and others in response and that you would give us a willingness and openness to hear difficult things and that you might change us to be more like Jesus. We pray, Father, in his name. Amen. In 1967, the Beatles released their famous song, Love Is All You Need. Whether in marriage or relationships or for a peaceful society, many might say all you need is love. Now what people mean by love can vary and we'll see today it's not just about warm, fuzzy emotions or people accepting whatever makes you happy. But from the lips of the Lord Jesus, we will hear that love is what we most need. Love is the most important thing. Love for God is the greatest command. And so what we'll be considering today is of vital and huge importance. I hope you'll keep listening. We're in this section of Matthew's Gospel where hostility and malicious questioning of Jesus by the Jewish leaders has been heating up. Remember last week the Pharisees tried to test and trap Jesus over paying tax. Then the Sadducees tried to undermine the truth of the resurrection. Since chapter 9 of this gospel, there's been a verbal boxing match going on between Jesus and the Pharisees with their criticisms and questions. But it's not round 3 of this boxing match. It's actually more like round 12. Verse 46, though, makes clear this will be the last round with the words of Jesus being unbeaten and them giving up. Coming back to verse 34, with the Sadducees silenced, the Pharisees try to test Jesus again. An expert in the law, a lawyer, tries to entrap Jesus and we assume he's trying to discredit him maybe over some hair-splitting legalism. He asks which command in the law is greatest. Now, Jewish rabbis had found 613 laws to obey in the Old Testament. And so they're asking Jesus, which is the most important? And Jesus' answer is our, is our first point, love the Lord. Jesus said the greatest and most important command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your minds. It's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. So that refers to loving the Lord with all your strength and not mind, instead of mind. But in the parallel accounts in Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 10, Jesus answers, love the Lord with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. Either way, it's talking about loving the Lord your God wholeheartedly with all your faculties, all that you have, all that you are. Heart and soul, they refer to our inner convictions and commitments. Our heart is the driver of our thoughts, our words, our deeds. Our soul includes our, how we, our, includes our emotions, personality. The mind can speak of our thoughts, our goals, our decision-making. And I hope you can see that they're actually overlapping terms. 
And it's saying, love God with everything you are and everything you've got. Always. Love the Lord your God genuinely from your heart. Nothing is more important. The Greek word used for love here, and in verse 39, is a verb of the word agape. Agape love describes what you have affection for, what you cherish, what you're devoted to. It can also describe what gives you joy and pleasure and satisfaction. Where to cherish and be devoted to God over everyone and everything. For no one else is worthy or greater or better. It's interesting, the most important command isn't serve God or obey God, obey the Lord, but it's actually love the Lord. But can you see that what actually comes from your heart will affect what you do? When we love from the heart, it will result in the rest, obeying and serving and worshipping God. God cares about our hearts, our motives, and he seeks love that is genuine and not fake. Some people do, do fake their love even for a long time with good deeds, right words. Sadly, angry and controlling people can fake their genuine care for another person to get a girlfriend or a spouse and then the real them, the abuser, sadly emerges People for various reasons have faked their love for God, maybe even over years, coming to church, saying the right things, while deep down and inside they love other things, other people, or themselves more than God. Maybe someone comes to your mind. God knows our hearts. He sees past the fake. He sees what's real And so I want to encourage you to stop and reflect on your own heart and what it says about your response to God. Loving the Lord with your all matters most. And then Jesus tells us what the second greatest commandment is. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's found Leviticus chapter 19. And in the context of those two verses on the screen, Leviticus 19, Love there included not taking revenge or holding grudges against people. It also meant loving foreigners and refugees as you would your own people. But Jesus wants our love to be so much bigger than this. It's not restricted to that. And please understand, it's not, it's not just advice. It's not just an aspiration to aim for. It's a command. We're commanded to do this. Now, neighbour doesn't just mean your next-door neighbour, but it includes them. We would say that neighbour means fellow human beings. The parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 teaches us that our neighbour is anyone we come across in need. And so it's about loving others as ourselves in the same way you love yourself. I realise that many people struggle to love themselves in a healthy way, some people actually loathe and hate themselves or their bodies. 
Whereas God made us, God cares for us, he wants us to care about ourselves. For most people, though, love of self is a given. We care for ourselves, we protect and provide for ourselves naturally. We think first about how something is going to impact me. Love of self is assumed and it's a problem. For love of self, it restricts us from loving and caring for others first. Can you see that in your own life? How your self-centeredness makes you love others less. We're going to think more about what love for others, what that looks like a bit later. But for now, please, I want you to also see the connection between these two greatest commandments. Real love for God will lead to and be seen in a real love for others, others whom God has made, who God has commanded us to love. So when we love other people, we also love God, the Lord God. And love for God and for others, it's the foundation of the rest of God's commandments. Verse 40, all the commands of the law and the prophets, that is, the, the, including the Ten Commandments, all the other commands, they hang on, they depend on, they flow from these two great commands. And so Jesus answered the Pharisees' question, and now he comes back to them with a question. The greatest command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And Jesus now, though, wants them to think about who is the Lord? Who is the Lord God that they should love? Is he Lord? This brings us to point two, Jesus is Lord. He asked them, whose son is the Messiah, the Christ? They reply, David's son. They're correct. They didn't need to search Ancestry.com to find out the answer. They, they knew their Hebrew Bibles. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we were promised there, God promised that a descendant of King David would sit on the throne of God's kingdom forever. Isaiah 11 promises this too. The genealogy at the start of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, confirms that Jesus was a descendant of King David. They know the answer. Jesus asked them another question. But please notice here too that Jesus believes that the Psalms, and by extension the whole Old Testament, is inspired by God, inspired by God's Spirit. It is the Word of God. Jesus asks, how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? Quoting Psalm 110, verse 1. So please notice there, looking at that verse, King David says, Lord, that's capital L-O-R-D. That's the personal name for God. Some people describe that as Yahweh. And then David goes on to speak of my Lord. So Jesus is asking, what's going on here? Who is the my Lord that David refers to? I mean, if the Messiah is David's son and descendants, how can he be David's Lord? Now, we know as New Covenant believers who have the New Testament scriptures, we know that Psalm 110 verse 1 is saying that God the Father said to God the Son, sit at my right hand 
until I put your enemies under your feet. We know that David can call Christ Lord because Jesus Christ actually, as the Son of God, pre-existed. He eternally pre-existed. He always existed as the Son of God. And then the Son of God took on flesh. He became a human being in the Lord Jesus. And so the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is both God and man. He's truly God and truly human. And Jesus has been demonstrating that since chapter 4. He's not just a, he's not even a earthly political ruler who's come to build the kingdom of Israel. No, he's the king of kings and lord of lords who will one day come to judge his enemies. He's much more than a man. But the Pharisees didn't know this. They didn't believe in who Jesus really was. They didn't believe it. They didn't understand it and they're left speechless. And so Jesus brings this knockout punch, this verbal debate, and shortly we'll see next week he's going to preach a sermon about them. Jesus is the Lord. Therefore, Jesus is the Lord your God that we and all people should love with all our hearts, soul, mind and strength. We're to love Christ with our all. And when we love Christ with our all, we love God with our all. Terrible problem is we don't. We don't love God or love Jesus, the Son, without all. We don't obey these two great commandments. None of us do. Hope you accept that. Hope that you grieve that. Grieve, filled with sadness over your sin. I heard yesterday the the song by the band Black Eyed Peas, and they rightly ask, where is the love? The problem's not just out there, it's in here. None of us have ever truly or fully loved or obeyed Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 or Leviticus 19 verse 18. None of us have obeyed these. But friends, Jesus Christ did. And that's why the eternal God took on flesh. Christ came and did obey as the perfect and true human being. He loved God with his all, all the time. He loved his neighbor, loved others as himself. He obeyed God perfectly in a way we never have and never could. And then after living that sinless life for us, he died to sacrifice himself for us. Wages of sin is death. We fail to love God with our all on any day let alone every day of our life. We've lived selfishly and failed to love others as ourselves and we don't deserve and we cannot earn relationship with God, our way to God. We deserve to be separate from the holy God of perfect love. But because God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. 
because of the love of God for sinners, because of the love of God for his enemies, we have a saviour. We've not loved God. Jesus did. And he died for us. So that everyone who puts their faith and trust in him can find forgiveness, acceptance, peace and relationship with God. So I ask, have you put your trust in Christ for forgiveness and relationship with God? And if you have, have you remembered that God's spirit gives you a new heart? In Ezekiel 36, in the Old Testament, there's this promise about the new covenant that Jesus brings. It's a promise that we not only get forgiveness, but we get new hearts. We're born again. And with the new hearts we receive by faith and by the Spirit, we can now obey God. In fact, we want to obey God in new ways, real ways, greater ways than God's old covenant people could before. And that brings us to our final point, our love, our love. How do I love God with my all? How do we do that? It's going to be shown in many ways, isn't it? I will love God, I think, firstly, by loving his word, listening to him. I know time reading God's word every day is a struggle for most of us, many of us. Maybe if you're out of the habits, you could start small and set some realistic goals. Maybe you could set a reminder on your calendar at a time when you could usually take five minutes to read God's word. Encourage you to take time after that, a moment to reflect on that. What are the main points? How does it relate to my life? And then pray in response. So why not start with five to ten minutes a day, even five days a week? If you want, you could sign up for the the devotions that the church office emails out that your pastors write. We love God by loving his word, by loving what he says, even when it doesn't come naturally. We love God, though, in many ways, like by trusting him when the interest, interest rates rise, when costs increase, when money gets tight. We love God by trusting him when our trial continues and we don't get what we think we need or what we really want. We love God by trusting and obeying him. And I want to suggest to you that whenever we sin, it is because we're loving something else more than God. But nothing else can truly satisfy So I urge you to turn away from whatever your sin is and turn back to God to love him more. And to do this, you need to remind yourself of the why. We need to remind ourselves of why. Why love God with our all? Please check out this verse. I love this verse because it reminds me why I should imitate God in showing love. We're told there it's because I am God's dearly loved child. 
I am dearly loved by the Father. And Christ the Son also loved us, gave himself for us, even for me. So I hope we can say, Lord, or sing, Lord, your love never fails. Your mercy for me is new every day. I'm loved. And therefore, because my heavenly Father loves me and seeks what's best for me, that's why I'll listen to him. I'll listen to and read his word. I'll want to obey it. I'll want to talk to him in prayer. I'll want to meet with God's people and my spiritual family. In fact, I'll want to meet with my God and my church family so much that I'll prioritize that. And if I don't want those things, then I will pray for those things, for God to change my wants and my desires. And so I'll come to church even if I'm tired. I hope you can say to yourself, I'll arrive at church on time, if not five minutes early, to talk to the visitor who was there five minutes early, to love my brothers and sisters in my words and in singing together. I know even making it to church can be hard for some of us. Finding a car park can be hard. But lateness says something about our priorities. I don't understand how we can make it to the doctor or dentist or school or work on time most of the time and not to church on time. I say this in love, brothers and sisters, not to condemn or to shame you. But how we use our time reflects what we care about and our priorities. Are we striving to love God with our all? Are we modeling that to others? Are we modeling that to our children? As Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, are you teaching your children to love God? To love him more than anyone and anything. Thinking more about our love for others. It's so multidimensional in all of life. Maybe this week you'd like to reread the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5 to 7. Or, or reread and even remember, memorize the Ten Commandments. They help us love God and love others and give content to this. But let me suggest some applications for us in our day and time and life here. Love for others will be seen in a love for the vulnerable and those in distress. Neil Heiter highlighted in our daily devotion this week from James chapter 1, we may not have nearly, we may not have as many needy widows and orphans among us, but there are many who are vulnerable and in distress. He suggested the single parents, the refugees, those with chronic illness. Maybe for you, it's the person who's on their own at school. And we're asked, who am I visiting in their distress? Was I present with someone in their time of need? Love for others should be shown in every sphere of life. You could message the person at school, message the person at work, your work colleague who's been away sick to ask how they're going. And couldn't you say, I will pray for you? 
and then do that? Could you invite your work colleague or friend to carols this Christmas or their children to attend GSF this summer? And we do that because we love them and we want them to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus too. So can you see that love will drive us to help people become disciples of Jesus and then grow as disciples of Jesus? And so with loving your church family, you could message or call the person from growth group who wasn't there last week and not leave it up to the leader. You could make a meal, serve on a ministry team, or or keep serving gladly out of love for others. You could love your spouse by thinking of and putting them first and not yourself first. Not, you could love them by not being driven by your fears, your wants, your desires. So husband or wife, how are you going at putting the good of the other first? Do they feel cherished by you? Does your spouse flourish because of you? Do your family members or your housemates experience from you kindness, gentleness, generosity? Do they experience from you patience, a willingness to serve them in love? Also, our love will be seen in the choice to not watch pornography because it objectifies people and treats them as objects who exist for my pleasure and my lust? Or as a man, will you take responsibility to care for and nurture those around you, protect and provide for those around you? Love is always seen in a willingness to suffer and sacrifice and serve Because you're devoted to God. Because he is your treasure. Rachel McDonald works for Matthias Media in Sydney, I think. In 2018, she wrote this article, Behold Your Mother. You could Google it and read it later. But she reflected on John chapter 19 and Jesus' words as he hangs on the cross. When Jesus asks the Apostle John to take his mother Mary in as his own mother. She also reflects on how the early Christians in Acts chapter 2 sold their possessions and distributed the proceeds to the poor so that no one was in need. And Rachel says, John taking Mary into his home his family tending her in his old age. Gosh, thank goodness for nursing homes. Am I right? And so the idea, she says, that idea safely pushed away. We stay in our lanes at church. We ask politely about each other over tea and coffee. We pray for people's needs at Bible study, but rarely go out of our way or make a significant sacrifice for another. She says maybe we need to stop 
take a breath, loosen our grip on our possessions, our time, our heart, and look around. John and Jesus' mother Mary came to have a special relationship and Rachel, the writer, asked, could it be that God wants to see more special relationships in the lives of people in this church? Christian author Rosaria Butterfield credits the gentle love and practical care of an older couple as being the way that God revealed himself to her and the prayer and counsel of older women and her, at her church as being the way that God helped lead her away from her comfort with sin. You don't need to, be, to wait to be directly asked to share love and care with someone else. I heard this week on a podcast that for the last two years, pastors have been tired. And this year, everyone is tired. Maybe you've been tired for the last three years too. I'm not sharing this and all that I say today to guilt you into loving, but to spur you on to love and good deeds with all the strength and grace that God's Spirit gives. I am weak, the Lord is strong. And Christ's strength can shine through us in our weakness. Maybe God is asking you today to keep loving those one, two or three people who are relying on you at the moment and not do more. Maybe you grieve for your body's health and lack of strength which fails, so you cannot do what you used to do for God. And maybe the Lord wants you to love others with your constant prayers and by being a prayer warrior. Or maybe you've been convicted of selfishness today and of the need to change. However we love or feel convicted to love, please remember the why. We love God with our all and love others because we were first loved by our God. We're going to remember that in the Lord's Supper in a moment. Because you have been dearly loved, love your Saviour and Lord. Love others, relying on the Lord's strength to do it. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you that though your word reveals our sin, it also reveals our Saviour. We pray that we would cling to him in faith and that by your spirit you would continue to transform our hearts and lives, our words and actions, that we might display that first fruit of the Spirit, love. May it be seen in us. May you grow us to be more like yourself. We pray, Father God, that you might lead us to reflect on the gospel afresh. Remember the great love of God, Father, Son, and Spirit for us sinners. Lord, we pray that you would 
fill us with more of your love that it might overflow from us to those around us. We ask for your help in our tiredness or weakness. We ask for your strength. Please give us joy in this. Help us to know that following Jesus is the best life that we can live. Thank you that we're not alone. Amen.